Hey everybody, welcome. This is the first episode of Play Games Lose Friends. I am your host, Ryan. I'm here with my co-host, Ken. Hello, everybody. Just a little bit about ourselves and why we're doing this. This is a board games-focused podcast. Uh, the two of us have been gaming together for quite some time, uh, have been aficionados in the hobby for a while, uh, Ken a little bit more than me, and by that I mean horrible addiction. Uh, so we wanted to get a chance to spend some time together to talk board games and, and uh, share this fun hobby with others that we uh, we listen to and, and hopefully find some listeners as well. Um, I've been in the hobby for probably, I would say, close to 10 years. Uh, really ramped up in the last few years. Collection starting to build, getting more regular plays, uh, especially as my kids get older and I have more time. But uh, still looking to try to expand that collection and get more plays in of the stuff that I have and looking forward to talking board games with you. <laughs> yeah, so I guess just a little bit longer or started a little bit sooner than that um so maybe what 12 maybe for myself but um definitely the uh game collection is again my addictive personality of just needing to collect and completionism so <laughs> yeah you got that definitely the, the <laughs> definitely the collection uh it gets purged then it gets filled back up it gets purged again so it's uh it's it's the never-ending uh war so for this podcast, but we're yeah. going to focus on uh, what we played, uh, talking a little bit about some of the stuff we get the chance to play on a regular basis. Um, we're going to tie that into reviews, too. So we'll try to review at least one game a week or one game an episode, I should say. If we're going to release weekly, we'll see. And then a usual rotating topic. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the shrink shelf, which is a top three we haven't played at all, meaning they're still shrink wrapped or... You know, maybe it's something that we unwrap but haven't gotten to the table yet or something we've only played once. Um, then we're going to chat a bit about some upcoming Kickstarter releases or other uh, pre-orders we picked up that we're real hyped to play. And we'll round it out. Uh, just some closing remarks th this episode, but uh, we'll be getting an email address together so we can have some listener uh, emails so we can read and answer some questions or whatever you guys decide to send in. So with that said, let's kick off what we played since last time. Uh you want to go first? I can. Go for um, it. It's funny. Uh, it's uh, actually a very simple game. Uh, never heard of it. And um, my father, or my son's grandfather, just bought it and brought it over and left it sit on the table. And it is a simple game called Shut the Box, which it's um, you have these, um, it's almost it's like a Yahtzee type mechanic. Well, it's, I guess it's, I guess it could be considered more family or okay. like very family oriented, right? I mean, it's a simple like square and like these pegs that go up and down and a, and a set of dice. So you have 12, you know, numbers one to 12 and two dice, right? So you can make, you know, one, you can't obviously make one. So it's two to 12, right? So when you roll the dice, you want to put your numbers down. So you can either do the total. So if you roll a 12 and two sixes, you would put the 12 down, mm -hmm. right? But if you roll a five and a six, you could put the 11 down or put the five and the six down. So the goal is to keep rolling until you can't use both the dice. And the end, when you, both players are done, you count up <clears throat> total that's left on the pegs that you didn't knock down. And whoever has the lowest score wins. So, and again, we just got to play it real quick right before bed and nighttime routine with my son. Uh, I just thought it was it was simple and silly, but like 
it's going to see more play probably because of how quick and easy and accessible it is. How about how long is the playthrough? So that's my latest, like, what's that? About how long is the playthrough? <laughs> 20 minutes, maybe 15. Oh, that's awesome. If you're, so, I mean, just real simple. And again, you can set like, like if you set, maybe you say, okay, we'll do this three times. Right. And then it's the lowest score out of all three of those times. Right. Um, so it's kind of, it was, it's kind of neat. Again, it was just some, a simple concept, but I, I've never seen it before. Never heard about it before. Or like it was just showed up at my house and I was like, all right, well, let's try it out. And I just opened it up and like, it was like the, the rules were on like an index card. <laughs> saying, all right. This is going to be pretty easy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Those are the, no, I, uh, again, sim- simple and silly, hit. but. My family's got a few like yeah, that, I mean, like Quicks is a good one, um, Zombie Dice, like just those fun, like sit down, 15, 20 minute family games. I think you, you recommended Zombie Kids to me too, and we started that, and the kids love that. And it's like, you can bang out, yeah. you know, four games in an hour if you, even if it takes long, I think. Yeah, I was uh, really impressed with Zombie Kids for like a young, yeah, good. like a young family starter legacy game. I thought it was good. You know, the kids were engaged, like, the, I don't know if they did the naming, like the little naming page and stuff. Um, and again, stickers did. are a hit with everybody. Yeah, the sti- you know, Eleanor especially won't, kids, right? Eleanor won't <laughs> let me put the uh, the brains on. She has to do it, or she gets pissed. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's a good game. Uh, so I got um, I got two games in. I'll do one, and then you can do your next. Uh, okay. I'll start with the, the easy one. I had backed a Kickstarter called Doom Machine, uh, which is a solo, like, roll-in-place game. Uh, I guess, I think the guy that made it, I can't remember his name, Nathan Minier or something like that. I can't pronounce his last name. It's kind of Frenchy. But uh, I think he did a few of these, but they're kind of like single-player, solo roll-in-place um, mint tin games. So they're, they're cool. They come in, like, this little mint tin, like an Altoids can. And it's a set of cards a bunch of black and yellow dice and then three wooden like cubes for markers. And the object of the game is basically you have a machine that's killing all of humanity, the doom machine. Uh, and you're supposed to kill it. You love that theme. It's, it's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) so I, I got that like two weeks ago, I think. And, uh, I probably played it maybe 10 times so far. It's fairly hard. Um, and the, the, main card that you use to represent like your player you could it has two sides and there's a higher difficulty side where it lowers the amount of dice modifiers you can get and it lowers the shields that you get so basically you know you've got to more wisely use your dice um but the gameplay is you flip uh three machine parts and each one of them does a different thing and every turn you're going to flip another card and on your turn you're supposed to roll your dice and allocate them in a way where you're able to do damage to the parts and eventually kill them. And if you kill a part or destroy a part, I should say you get the die that's on it. And when the machine goes, it's on its turn. It advances the die that's on each card one place. And that one place could be do damage. It could be um, lock one of your die, which means you lose a die the next turn. It could be like repairs itself, all kinds of different effects. So um, really cool. Solo game, just in, like I said, in a mint tin, so you can take it anywhere you want and just get a game quick. I, I've been playing it like the kitchen counter when, you know, the kids get home from school and they're hanging out with me or whatever. But uh, I think it was like 20 bucks and a really fun, cool little solo game. Um, I'm kind of getting more into some of those, not 
not like the big, heavy, crazy stuff like Mage Knight, just the smaller stuff that you can bang out, like you said, in 15, 20 minutes. So, but yeah, that's Doom Machine. Uh, I recommend it if, if you like any solo games or you just want something small where you can, you know, pop it out of your pocket and sit down and play it somewhere in 15 minutes. And like I said, it's, it's a good challenge. It's fun. Yeah. I am. Um, I mean, I know you talked about solo games, not to shift gears or change topics, but, um, I think I've only really ever done solo experience or I, or I own like one solo only game in my entire collection. And it is, uh, obviously there's games that can, you know, obviously you can play one player, right. Cause they have a solo variant, but yeah. you don't, you're not really necessarily buying them f- for that. But yeah, I think <laughs> one I, game have... I did buy it was, uh, again, it was a Kickstarter. What was the name of it? Oh, sorry. I, I just, I, um, the one I have is called unbroken and it's basically you, you're, you know, you can choose the hero, like you're a, you know, one of the, uh, sort of a, an adventurer or whatever. Like the normal and you troops. choose the type of hero you want to be. Someone like that. Yeah. Um, and you're like almost doing this dungeon crawler, but like you're advancing your skills. So you're like almost, it's almost like a solo role player in a way where you're like advancing your attributes. You're going through and it's again, it's very challenging. Um, and then it, things get harder and as you go through this sort of almost uh, gauntlet of, of things to fight and beat. So again, really cool. I mean, again, I'm a sucker for art. So the art got me and I was yeah. like, Oh, maybe I could try a solo game and this art's cool. So it'll keep me engaged. I played it actually, you know, three, five, six times. Yeah. I've never really been a solo gamer, but I yeah. enjoyed it. Doom Machine's oh. art got me too. Like it's the dude that makes it kind of does his own. He does the whole thing, like the whole production for the most part, except for physical production, which he obviously. Some, but he did it domestic, which is great, so we didn't have to wait until 2022 to get it. But yeah, the art's kind of like it was quirky. It was the fluxy. guy that did all the mint. Yeah, he's he's done other ones. I honestly don't the know mint delivery and mint. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know the other titles, um, but I enjoyed this one enough that I would probably look into them. I just worry about kind of sameness. Like I don't know if they kind of function the same way, and this is just like a you know reskin of the same sort of mechanics. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um. Did you get any other plays in, or was that the only one? So, and again, just um, with with uh, you know the kids or the my son going back to school and school nights, there's not a lot of time between you know yeah I hear nights you. that we don't have a sport or something. So, um, <clears throat> we did get um, another again a game. Sees play a lot. Um, it's called Here to Slay. I don't know. Did we ever play this with? with you No, guys? I. Where you have to. I've always been curious you have to about it. Collect the different guys. Yeah, so it's um, there's two ways to win it. Um, so you can either get one of every like character type. So like you get one warrior, one mage, one priest, one bard, right? And you get the set of them. Um, or you can fight three monsters. The first person to three monsters, you know, defeating three monsters. Okay. Um, and again, yeah, my son. We started playing when he was six. And just really loved it. Again, the art's cute. It's neat. So every character basically has an ability. So you can either use the ability. And again, there's a little bit of take that if you really want to do that. Again, with your kids or, you know, your other family members, sometimes take that is, uh, an a important aspect of a game. <laughs> it's a <laughs> well, tough sell in my house. They really want, well, cause they really want to, you know, beat yeah. you and make you yeah. feel bad about it. Teaming up life. on dad is fun. So it goes the op. Yes. 
dad gets beat up a lot in board yeah. games. So, um, but yeah, so real simple, real cute. It's the the company that did. Uh, I guess their claim to fame was uh, Unstable Unicorns. Yep. So it's sort of like in that like universe, which is interesting because they just put what Cranky Chinchillas is their newest on Kickstarter right now. <laughs> oh, I did so, see that. But um, again, it's it's uh, that one seems more social deduction, and I'm not a big social deduction guy. Yeah. So um, same here. Probably going to be a pass on that one. Unless maybe Target, you can get on in a couple years, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, there are other stuff there. Sucker for clearance, too. A lot, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then I bought the expansion, which came with a lot of, you know, the, a lot of the same stuff, which was cool. And um, so, again, because, again, it was seeing play, so it made sense, you know, to pick up the expansion and added two new classes. So it was cool. Nice. How about yourself? Anything else this week? Yeah, I had one other one. Uh and it was a big one. We finally got a group of four together. Unfortunately, you couldn't make it, but we got Ankh, uh, Gods of Egypt to the table with the Pharaoh expansion for the first time. Now, I had played, uh, just with my son, probably two games. Uh, let's say, let's say a one full game because we kind of didn't finish either game because the attention span's not there for like a three hour game with a 10 year old. But, uh, he, kicked the crap out of me in the second game, so I was very proud of him. But yeah, we got a four-player game in with the Pharaoh expansion. Um, I think the gods we used were Anubis, Osiris, uh, Set, and Horus. So we had a good variety of, of like god abilities. Um, for those who don't know, Ankh, Gods of Egypt is the third game in the Eric Lang trilogy. Uh, first being Blood Rage, second being uh, Rising Sun. Uh, this, believe it or not, I haven't played any of them yet. I've been wanting to play Blood Rage for years and never did. I don't know why. I never bought it either. Um, so this is my first Eric Lang game. And they're all like, you know, basically dudes on a map with some type of variation in the gameplay. But, uh, yeah, it was, I think we did about an hour of teaching and questions, um, going over the scenario, god abilities, kind of explaining everything out took a break for food and drinks. And then I think the game was ran about four hours from start to finish, which for our group of four, that's not terrible. And I know for sure, like the next time we play, we'll, we'll definitely be faster than four hours. Um, but it was so three and a half the next time. I think we could probably squeeze it in two and a half. Honestly, like, you know, you know, the guys that we play. I know, with, like, I know. There's just some initial confusion about stuff, but once it clicks, it clicks. Like everybody seems to learn through playing with our group, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, I think That's, again, best way. Yeah. Joe, who, uh, was his first time. It was all of our first time playing. Joe pulled out a victory. I think he beat me by four devotion. Devotion is like the victory point track more or less. Um, and then, uh, the other two guys, there's a very contentious mechanic in the game called the merge mechanic, which I'll talk about in a later date when we get to do a full review of Ankh. But, uh, the merge mechanic basically takes the two players that are last place and second to last place and forces them to merge into one god. And they basically share abilities, they share uh, troops, they share guardians, they share everything. And they each get lowered to one action a turn, um, which sounds like it's very limiting. But uh, once they did this, we kind of... Joe had gotten to the top of the devotion track and finished the game, but just for the sake of seeing how the merge mechanic worked, we played out the turns and they shot up from like halfway on the board to about, you know, four spaces behind me. So 
it's definitely a catch-up mechanic. It definitely works. Um, it doesn't feel good though when it happens. Uh, you know, one of the guys that was there, Kirby, was just yeah. Like, how do you share victory? How yeah, do you share victory? I, I don't know. It, it's I guess a high five and a knuckle pound or something. Yeah. <laughs> you can know. you can eat my wings. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's it wasn't even the sharing the victory part. Although I, you're totally right, I can see that. I think it was more like the when you merge, you take the values of the higher player except for the thing that counts, which is devotion. You take the score of the lower player. So if you're in a situation where there's four players and the the fourth player is like way behind the third player, let's say like 10 devotion points, they're going all the way back to that first player's, the, the last player's marker, which that feels really bad. And at that point, it's like, well, how in the hell are we ever going to catch up with this the way it is? Um they they did do the scary part is sometimes two heads isn't always better than one, right? Like yeah, and that's potentially that's the other thing too is like you're you you get rid of all the monuments and models that the lower player had, so you're only working with six warriors or six six fighters or whatever they're called for each faction. So it's just so then you, the base squad of the person who was third. I yes, guess, in this case. So right? you're you're like you're yeah. even more limited on resources and board control, but you know. It, it, somehow it worked. Now maybe it won't work on every game. Like we got one game. I need to play probably like five more to really see how this all works out at, at a four player count. But uh, the game was awesome. It's solid. You only get two actions a turn, but each one makes you really sit there and think about what to do. And the way the action track works is you can't pick an action above on the track. So if you pick like, I think it was like gain followers is third down out of the four actions. You couldn't pick any of the two above it. So you really have to be careful. And then every action has a track. And when you get to the end, you trigger an event. Well, the event that happens is, is assigned to the player who triggered it. And a lot of those are really good. Like one is gain a monument, which is very important for scoring. One is split the board up using these camel caravan tokens to reassign regions, which is super important. Um, triggering conflicts, which, you know, you may want to wait to do until it's more advantageous to your positioning. So it, there's a ton of strategy, very simple to play, but very, very deep. And by the end of the game, the entire map was filled with models. It was absolutely nuts. Um, but we, well, that's sort of like it. his pedigree in those, those games, right? Like they look know. intimidating, <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> I'll take your word again. I've played a lot of Blood Rage, right? Um, to the point where I think I even showed you I got those Etsy uh, yeah, the, Ragnarok those tokens destruction to tiles right? or whatever. Yeah. So again, uh, beautiful. I mean, I, I got the the uh, the broken token insert for it. That's how much I was playing it because it makes it so much easier to get it to the table. But so, like, again, simple mechanics. It's it's drafting with maybe you want to fight, sort of, or but. Sometimes you don't like it's again, it's all how you draft. Yep. And then you, um, but then you got rising sun, which is, I think I've heard there's more diplomacy six in different, that. Yeah, six boxes of stuff. Yeah. Like it's on par with Ankh, right? Ankh was what? Eight boxes. Uh, yeah, again, when you, when you get all like of that. it. Yeah. Right? And the map. Right. So it's like, it's almost like, <laughs> like every one of his games just got bigger because blood rage fits in one box. I don't have any, you know, there's not extra boxes, right? I guess, I don't know if that's what his, you know, his uh, crawl, walk, run, right? I think <laughs> from his three games. Simon just got but, better uh, at monetizing the shit out of every game he makes, more or less. 
Uh, this is like, very true. I think um, I really think that Ankh is with with the Pharaoh expansion. It's like absolutely necessary to play that way. I would not play without it. I, I think the game loses a real important element without that expansion. Like, and I can see why they split okay. it off because it makes sense. But I think that that expansion just turns that game in something that would is good to great. So, but yeah, we, uh, we had a lot of fun and, and I'm looking forward to getting another playthrough again. Uh, I don't know when, I think we're scheduled at, like sometime in early October. Um, so we're gonna, just going to randomize gods next time, pick a new scenario and, and we'll give it a shot and hopefully it doesn't take four hours and get something else in that night. But yeah, that's, that's Ankh, uh, gods of Egypt. And that's about all I got to play since, since last time. Uh, so we'll move on. Our uh, topic this week is the shrink shelf, and we wanted to talk a little bit about you have this affliction more than me, uh, where you just load up on games and never open them. Uh, my favorite memory yeah, is I have. going to your place, oh, and yeah. we were going to play Arcadia Quest, and you had a $300, at the time, $300 on eBay, uh, Kickstarter exclusive figure called Bob the Enchanter, which is a playoff of Tim the Enchanter from Monty Python, and I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to mess with him and see if he'll open it. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We'll open it. You can use him. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, yeah, have another one. And I just lost it because, like, they're all in shrink. They're untouched. Like, that's so this this topic is basically just a a look at some of the games. We're just going to do top three of things that we have that are either wrapped in shrink, sitting on the shelf that we haven't touched and we really want to get to the table or stuff we unwrapped and played maybe once or not at all. So I'll let you kick it off. All right. So. Uh, my number three uh, is the newest game uh, in my collection, I think. Yes, my newest one that I actually physically can hold and actually play. Caress um, softly. And Yes. So um, it's a game called Meadow, and it was uh, sort of a little bit like a sleeper hit kind of game. And once uh, the YouTube community got it and the... Other content creators got it, played it. Reviews were really good. It became impossible to find. Um, so, how, so when like did this come out? The market was sold out uh, like earlier this year. Okay, like I thought I remember it being pretty recent. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was Kickstarter. I think it was just Asmodee put it out. Um, and again, <laughs> it has again, it just had a lot of what really draws me into a game. Uh, I showed my wife. Uh, a review of it. She was like, Oh, that's cool. I would play that. And I was like, all right, that's a gimme. Right. So yeah. then I go to find it and it's impossible to find. Right. So again, she, she's good at enabling me. So that's, that's why I love her. But, um, so, <laughs> uh, so I was just, so there's this, uh, local game store. And again, by game store, I mean like maybe they, that they, they just do magic. Right. They're like one of those type of stores. Right. right. So, Every once in a while, I pop in just because you never know. Like they've, when they first opened, they had like some very old board games. It was a small, very small section, like half a shelf, but there was like old, unique games that you can't like really find. So I was like, oh, this might be cool. So every once in a while, I just pop in and check in. And, um, I happened to pop in, you know, I guess last weekend, maybe. Um, and they have partnered actually as a, I guess it's called like Asmodee. It's got a fun, fancy title, but like basically they're a Asmodee store. So anything Asmodee, they can order and start a section in their shop, which 
they did and they went big um for what this how big this store is um it was like i don't know i want to say i don't know five six shelves tall then there was a standee with four sides like they really went heavy on it and i was like that's crazy so i just started looking around and again nothing really jumped out at me um and then i saw one copy of meadow and i was like oh my god i can't find this right you know again online is typically where i buy most of my games but um and uh Took it up to the counter and the price was nice and it went home with me. So it's like now I own it. I want to play it. People in the house have told me they'll play it and it hasn't gotten played yet. It's been open, ready to go for when Omen happens. So that's so, my number three, Meadow. That's saying something because uh, knowing your, <laughs> your game addict and the more amount of cellophane that still exists that you must really want to play this if you've that's on your list. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Cool. So my my number three is one that uh, I bought a little while ago, and uh, just I think I got one play in, and I haven't touched it since. And it's been sitting there staring at me for a while. And it's uh, I believe it's an Uwe Rosenberg game called Nova Luna. I think he's the designer, uh, and it's basically like a. The best way to describe it, I can, the best way I can describe it is kind of like if you took patchwork and a little bit of like Azul and mixed it together and added some other elements to it. There's a, like a central ring of, uh, tokens that are these like square tokens and they have, uh, four quadrants and in each one there's a color potentially. Um, and so you go around and move this marker. Every time someone picks one, you move the marker to that part. And you um, can only pick like one of the next three kind of like patchwork after that marker. So you draft these tiles and then when you place them, you line them adjacent to existing tiles and whatever is printed on that tile um, in terms of like the color or, or potentially like the number. It's been so long since I played it. I can't even remember. Um, you know, you score, you don't score points. You, you take these colored discs for your color and you put them on um, the conditions that you met. And so the game ends when somebody runs out of those discs and it's like this really simple yet not simple abstract puzzle where you're, you're trying to get the tiles you need to kind of fit your tableau and other people can steal them from you, but you also can't get to the ones you really need because of that limitation of only being able to pick past the first or the first three past that marker. Um, and then you run into situations where there's only one or two tiles left that you have to draft and they don't fit your plan. Uh, and they kind of screw things up so you're not able to score the same way or whatever. So it's, it's, uh, a really kind of tight, fun game. The, the whole mix of kind of tile drafting and, and like pattern matching that kind of goes with Azul, Azul in a way, you know, applies here and, and it's pretty fun. So I, I got it on a whim because I think it won, I'm pretty sure it won an award or two um but it i don't really yeah, have it's been around for a while yeah right? it's like a and i don't think i have a game but any of his other games so i was like you know what i'll i'll break my uve cherry and bump and bump in on one of these and we'll uh we'll get one and i loved it it was fun and then no one wanted to play it after that so i like it at some point in time i'll get to play it again that's uh nova luna actually it was 20 2019 is when yeah, I thought, I thought BGG it was says it was somewhat recent, but sort of recent. Yeah, I got it last year, like 
during the pandemic lull and thought, you know, hey, this one's kind of Azul-ish. And I remember when we played with the wives, like Azul wasn't one they openly complained about. So I was like, all right, well, maybe this will work. And Patchwork's kind of yeah, Azul. Azul's a solid wife game. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. That's another family yeah. game. Like the kids could play, and yeah. it's it's good. But yeah, that's Nova Luna. All right, so my reason why this game is my number two is because um, I believe they just updated um, the the latest Kickstarter that things should be showing up again, uh, being shipped from their last campaign, <coughs> and that is Vindication. And basically, this is from Orange Nebula. Uh, again, super cool company. Uh, when you buy something from them direct, they like put little Easter eggs sort of things in your package, nice. like when they ship it to you. That's cool. It's kind of like cool, like little unique things like that. So customer service is great. The artwork in this game is phenomenal. Like it's so unique. Uh, and basically, you're, I guess you're like a wretched person and basically you just show up on this like deserted sort of island and you try to like, Vindicate, hence the name oh, Vindication. I remember yourself about as this. now a good guy. So, like, you fight things and you do deeds, and you know it's Euro-ish, but you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're there's like resource building, and then you you turn things into other things to get other cards, and then your cards do stuff, and like you set up this tab, like this tableau of like characters and abilities and traits and. Like, it's got a lot into it, right? There's a lot to the game. And, you know, there's, there's combat, uh, with the, with the game, not with each other, I don't think. Um, but again, real simple, right? You get three actions each turn in whatever order you want. Um, and again, I'm a sucker for sort of those games that involve animals. So, like, one yes. of the modules is like a pets module. So, like, you can, like, have a, you know, almost be a zookeeper type of thing. So basically, I have, the I guess the first the the base game and like the first couple expansions that came out. So I guess the newest one is I think it's Chronicles. It's just this year, but it sounds like it's it might be shipping at some point uh, before the end of the year. Um, and um, so I have, have everything for it to date. It's just like. It's just this big box of just coolness that I've just never actually played, but I I know it's cool just from looking at it. Like, I hope, you know, is it out of shrink? You, know, you invest in some. It is out of shrink because there were so many boxes, right? So there was like the base box, there was uh, a leaders and alliance uh, expansion. There were I think three or four different promo packs. So like I had these little packs of cards. Um, then they did one in 2020 called the Odyssey Box. So that came with its own thing. And then this latest Kickstarter, they did the whole big box thing where it puts it all together. Uh, I love right? that. So you can, so, so like, again, it was just trying to conserve shelf space. So I was like, yeah. I guess I have to open it and, you know, put it all together. So, um, so yeah. So again, it's super, I mean, again, super cool looking. Um, and again, I think people would dig it that we play with it, you know, if we just, you know, got it to the table. Oh, yeah. Probably. I think you told me about dig. it. Maybe. God, it's probably. It's <laughs> Two been years a while. ago. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I looked ago? into it and I was <laughs> like, I would definitely be into this. So, yeah, that that's one we got to get to the table at some point in time. Maybe not with the 45 yeah. expansions you have, but. Uh, 
I'm no, no, that's the thing. thing. You have you can only you can only pick like certain like you can't play with all of it. I don't think it's like the game is set up where you choose the modules you want. Oh, to play okay, with. I see. So, um, so the base box like the modules are all separated, so it's really easy and cool to like. Okay, I'll do. You know, there's like base ones that are always in it, but then you can throw the promos in it, right? So, because <laughs> that's why you get the promos. But like, <laughs> um, you know, there's like twelve other modules promos. that you can randomly pick. <laughs> I'm a sucker for promo, but um, so like you pick, I don't know, I'm just making something up, but like you can choose three of the 12 other modules to throw into the base. And then that's what makes the game replayable and unique is depending on the combos you can make between module cards versus the base cards that always get played. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. There's some uniqueness there. So that's vindication. Yeah. Uh, definitely interested in that. So we got to get that to the table at some point. Um, my number two, I just picked up, uh, I want to say two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I sit there and stare longingly at it is War Chest. Uh, I remember watching a shut up and sit down video of War Chest, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago. Uh, I think Tom Brewster reviewed it and I first looked at it and I was like, this is just like playing war with poker chips. Um, but the more I read about the game, the more I was kind of entranced by playing war with poker chips. It didn't sound so bad. Um, and I picked it up, I think it was at Barnes and Noble. I was, it's the first time I've ever seen it like physically in the wild. And it was just kind of like spur of the moment purchase. So I picked it up, um, took it home, you know, got everything out. The chips, like just the weight of the clays, like they've got that like iron insert and they're just so freaking nice. Did you put them in your mouth? Like. Like, yeah, like shut up and sit down. Yeah, I I thought about it. The kids the kids find that <laughs> hilarious. Eat the so chips? <laughs> I thought about it. Need a little salt, but yeah, uh, I tried to get my son to tr- to play once. Um, we got like three turns in. He's like, "Yeah, this isn't for me." I'm like, "That's cool." You know, I'm glad you're being honest. And then he walks away. I was like, "Son of a bitch." Uh, but the game is basically, you know, you have um, I think it's four units per person, and it's a, either a two player game or a four player game. And if you play um, if you play four players, you have to do two V two, but each of you get four cards that represent units and they each have their own unique sort of like tactic ability, I guess, or a passive ability that just applies to them all the time. And on your turn, you can, uh, you have a bag of chips. You pull out, I think, um, three, it's three per turn. And then whatever you pull out, you have the option of like playing onto the onto the battlefield you have the option of bolstering existing units to make their strength and health sort of larger um you can use the chips to move certain units so if you have a, a like a swordsman out you can, and you pull a swordsman out of the bag you can use that chip to make him move a tile and on the mat um or on the board i should say that it, there's a i can't remember how many it is maybe like 10 or 12 control points and you win the game by controlling all these control points with your units And so every time you finish, I think it's if you finish a turn on one of those control points, you put one of your like sort of um, kingdom markers on it and then you control it unless someone steals it. So it is um, exactly as it describes basically war with poker chips uh, and a whole bunch of I think there's got to be probably 16 to 20 different um, units that you can choose from. So. From game to game, you randomize what you get. It's never really the same game twice. And, you know, the luck of the draw from pulling from the bag really influences the game. So, but strategically, it seems super solid. I am dying to get a game in 2v2. I think it would be super fun. 
Um, and you and I talked a little bit about just doing like, you know, kind of two player nights. That would be a perfect game for, for two players. And I don't know just from the little bit of time I got playing, I, I really have no idea how long a game's going to take. I, I can imagine, I can see that taking a while. It's very chess like in, in certain respects. Um, yeah. But as you. So like the interesting part was like when you pull something from the bag, do you bolster the existing unit or do you need to keep it and actually to make the unit that you have out move, right? Yeah. Like it's. There's a lot of Sophie's choices. A a little tug of war with your own army. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then the other part too is like, I think you can pull chips out and play them face down to add more chips into your bag. So if you, you know, let's say you're, you're fighting with another unit and you take damage, you lose that chip, you lose it for the game. Like it doesn't come back. And so you need to basically replenish your bag at that point. Or let's say there's a particular unit type, like, like there's a, I think there's like light cavalry or something, which obviously moves faster and would let allow you to get control more of the, the battlefield faster. Uh, if you want to get more of those, you know, you might not want to bolster or move. You might want to just play the chips face down and add units into your bag. So um, there's a lot of really interesting choices in the gameplay. And then the fact that there's all this unit variation gives the game quite a bit of replayability. And I think, you know, that's one of those games too, where, if you're playing against like a seasoned veteran board gamer or somebody who's like a, a chess person, like, you know, good at s- sort of looking ahead like that, that game's going to be long and fun and, and bloody. And, and that's the kind of thing I, I love. So I'm really looking forward to getting it on the table, but yeah, that's, uh, that's war chest. Yeah. That's sitting on my wish list, uh, on miniature market. Just Been don't, for a don't while eat the chips. and just never pulled the trigger. <laughs> All right, so the final game, uh, and this one, I'll be honest, is still <laughs> in shrink. Again, I'll never lie about what's in shrink and what's not. That's that's just how I roll. But uh, something so, to be proud of, maybe. And uh, uh, I don't know. Transparency is good, right? <laughs> <laughs> or at least admitting I know I have a problem. There you so, go. That's the first so, step. Um, there we go. So uh, again, hundred percent still in shrink. Everything. That came with this is 100% stone shrink. Uh, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine boxes of stuff. Um, and that is the world of smog rise of Moloch. Uh, um, yes, it is a fabled game. So it's a, so it's a, it's a Simon title. Uh, doesn't get a lot of love. Um, I was a fan of the original world of smog game. Very unique, sort of steampunky style. Um, and this was like in the early days of, of Simon or Kaman, however you want to pronounce it. But, um, I knew the, the Simon. <laughs> uh, so I go, I go all the way back to Zombicide 2. That's how far I go back with Simon. But, um, so this was one of the earlier campaign games. And then this World of Smog came out, which was they took the, the world that that first game was in. And made it a, a one verse many game. So okay, and uh, so basically, obviously, someone's the good guys and someone's going to be the bad guys. Uh, I'm a I've always growing up have been a fan of one verse many. Uh, that's just that was that was board gaming to me, right? Going all the way back to what Hero Quest and Dark World and yep. you know that those those all kind those of old school games that we grew up with. Right, like, <clears throat> so one verse many is like almost like what keeps kept me in this hobby, and then started to explore what Euro is and 
hard drafting and all that stuff, but it, 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 it all stemmed from a basis of one versus many games. So, so anyway, so this, it's like this unique steampunk sort of style, but like art, the characters, just, they just, they drew me in. I loved them. I thought it was uh, amazing. So again, all in pledge got everything has been sitting in shrink for, I guess, two years. Jesus. <laughs> from 2018. That's what, uh, math. Three years, right? Cause it took a year to probably get to me. Yeah. yeah. Three years, we'll call it, right? <clears throat> um, now we're going to talk about why Rise of Moloch is on my num, is my number one spot right now later on in, in the broadcast. And I'll circle back to it. Um, but again, it's one of those that, again, I, I loved every aspect of it and just, um, one versus many are tough to get to the table. Uh, specifically one that comes in nine boxes and then yeah. having that dialogue of what do you play with? What do you not play with? And so maybe I just have to get out of my own head about we'll just play the base game and then see how it goes from there. Right. <laughs> Every time I'm there, I look at the box art on that game and I'm like, that looks pretty cool. And I think to your point, like Simon has a problem with overproduction. Like Ankh's a great example. I got Ankh. This is the first Admittedly, this is the first like, really big CMON Kickstarter I've ever done because I don't normally do, uh, at least prior, I didn't do a lot of Kickstarters. And I'm sure Rise of Moloch's the same way. It's so much stuff that when you get it, you unbox it. You're like, oh, cool. I got all these characters. I got all these, you know, units or all this extra content for the game. And then you take it down to the basement or your game room or wherever you store your stuff. And you're like, well, shit, where am I going with all this? And when I want to play, how do I even like set up? Like I, I set Ankh up. I had to, I have like a, an old dresser in the basement and I literally took all the plastic inserts out of the boxes and I put them in drawers of the dresser so that when I'm ready to play, I could just open a drawer and like lift the tray out that I need of models. <laughs> like it's, it's just insane and it becomes overwhelming. And I, so I, I think, I'm not saying this is why you haven't unwrapped or haven't unwrapped it yet, but I almost feel like sometimes there's like this, at least I had it for the first time with, with Ankh. There's almost like, um, you know, this intimidation factor of shit, I got to set all this up again. And there's that much stuff here. And like how, you know, I don't even know what gods are going to be. So should I set this up ahead of time? You know? And I think that may, maybe that suffers from the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I would have to have 15 dressers to do that. Yeah. And I just don't have that space, like, based on just Simon games alone, right? Um, yeah, but it's again, crazy. it's, it's one of those things that, again, if you're gonna, I, I don't know, it's one of those, I don't know, maybe it's wrong, but like, if you're gonna go in on something, I don't know, I feel like. Go big or go home. You go both feet, right? Yeah, like, yeah, no, I, give you, I, I get it. Do $100. It's like, oh, I can give you $250 and then never have to buy something again, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I think know. there are certain titles, like Ankh's a good example. Like, the expansion adds a whole lot to that game. The additional gods and, and their models, you know, give you more variety and replayability. You know, the the it's the stuff that's, like, purely cosmetic that I could kind of, you know, be okay not having. But I will say for Ankh, yeah, like I, the, the 3D printed monuments and stuff are, or, or whatever, if they're 3D printed or not, the, the monuments are, are three dimensional and they stand up and they make board presence for a game like that so much better. And I'm sure like Rise of Moloch's got the same stuff. Yeah. Actually, what's interesting about it is, well, so it's also campaign driven too. 
Right. So they no took the one versus many, and then and then oh, made a campaign, campaign like version, okay. like it's a campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I can't. I, let me. I guess I'll put it this way. I never looked for it in retail because I had it. So like I never. Right. But like I think it might have had retail, but again, not a lot of people know about it. Now, obviously, people are going to know about it. You know, after we talk about Kickstarter here in a second, but like, um, you know, again, that all this was just more. More content, more campaigns, more stories, more characters. And they were all, to my knowledge, I think very unique and asymmetric. So you've got, it's much like, uh, Arcadia Quest. What what is there? 200 characters in Arcadia Quest? (laughs) Something like that? Like, I mean, I I might be embellishing a little, maybe 120, right? There's a lot. There's a lot. No question. But like everyone plays differently. You put different equipment on them, they're going to play differently. You're going to do like, so like I love that, I love that feeling of depending on what you who you start with, what equipment you got buy, and what what you do with that character and how you play them, it's going to be different and unique. Nibbles so I always like that. I mean, you can give. I mean, Nibbles is the greatest character in the game. Like yeah, you could just give him a dress and a parasol, and he's still going to annihilate everybody. Yeah, a potato sack and a frying pan, and yeah. he still wins games. Yep. <laughs> so that's my number one, uh, Rise of Moloch. Well, maybe before you're dead, we'll get it to the table. We'll see. Uh, my number one. So I went from Nova Luna, which is kind of lightish, you know, kind of simplistic in a way, to War Chest, which is a bit more intense and kind of thinky. And I'm going to end with number one on a game that I picked up not all that long ago, have not gotten to the table whatsoever, dying to play it, but it is the ultimate FU game. Uh, at least from my understanding, or one of the ultimate FU games, and that is Food Chain Magnate. Uh, for those who don't know, it is a release by a company called Splatter, which I think is Dutch. It's either Splatter or Splatter. I'm not sure which. Um, it is a Take game. The yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I, I want to pause for a second. Is it Asmodee or Asmodee? I, or, or I've Asmodee. always known it as Asmodee. I have no idea. Modi, I think at. And an unrelated again, topic, they got bought today. For two billion dollars, I, I don't know no, who bought, who bought them. them. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I saw I saw something today about it. I don't. I didn't look into it, but I was like, wow, because they they went down the shitter recently. They've been my understanding. Well, no, the they keep on, they keep bad. growing by acquisition. Oh yeah, the customer service horrible. Well, some That's why fin- I have some capital capital acquisitions firm or something bought them and kind of like you know did the normal corporate overlord trim costs and all that all that stuff. But uh, yeah, they were growing by acquisitions, but I guess they got bought today for $2 billion. So, uh, but anyway, so oh. food chain magnate is a game where you're basically a restaurateur and you're trying to expand your restaurant business in this town, um, or city or whatever. And one of the first ways I ever heard this game described to me was that it's a game you can lose by turn three and the game takes four hours and you have to sit there with nothing to do for three hour, three and a half hours. Uh, it is a take that style game to the max, uh, with like super, super heavy, crunchy mechanics. Um, basically you try to, you're playing as one of four types, I believe of restaurant companies, like a burger place, uh, pizza. And I can't remember the others. And then there's drinks that you can include. And then there's actually an expansion, which I think fixed some of the balance issues from the first game, literally called the ketchup mechanic um, or something like that. And it's the features adding like condiments and some other drinks and stuff. But um, 
this is about as cutthroat of a game as you can get. And it, it's right up my alley. I'm dying to get this thing to the table. I know for sure our, gr- our group will play it. I just don't know how many people actually love it um, because of how brutal it is. But yeah, that's uh, and the game itself is, is like it looks like a prototype. It, it like the production quality. Like I, I literally have dice dice throne season one and two sitting below it on the shelf and it, it you literally look like you could pick up food chain magnet and throw it in the garbage and you never miss it like the components and presentation of the game is just ass but my god is it is it a good game and it's ranked pretty highly on like board game geek and stuff so i'm very excited to try it i'm afraid of what's going to happen to you know this this podcast is called uh play games and lose friends. That's one of those games that you're going to lose friends from. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited and afraid to get that thing to the table, but yeah, that yeah. is my number one. I'm excited for <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, It'll not be... the losing friends part, I guess, but, but like just the fact that like I've heard, you know, almost it, it it's intimidating. It's like a, 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 well, it's, yeah, it's scary in a weird way. Right. Like, like uh, this myth of this board game, right? In the, in the, you know, of people who play games and, and yeah. people who, um, you know, it's like, the, but I want, uh, I want to experience it and just be like, yep, they were right. Or yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> almost want to prove them wrong boat. in a weird way. Like, like, and again, it could be the worst game I've ever played or it could be the greatest game. You don't know until you try it. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I, like I, I picked it up. About, picked it up on reddit and i was like i just i just have to try it like and it wasn't in print they actually just uh announced a reprint a few months ago i believe and so that should be it's either available for pre-order now or will be available for pre-order soon so if you as a listener are interested in it and want to get it um that'd be the way to go if not you can probably find some you know an old copy like i did but uh yeah that's my number one food chain but you just the look of it it doesn't seem like anything like you said it looked yeah it's like it was just made in someone's house like, yeah I, I don't know if that's yeah, the first know. game it's, either i never I really looked yeah, i don't know much of, I, I didn't do too much research either on that but again i want to try it too i want to see how brutal it is yeah yeah we're we're in the middle our, our normal group's in the middle of uh oath from uh leader games and cole Worley. so that is another kind of cutthroat game that i think is going to sort of prepare our mental fortitude to handle something like food chain magnate. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about Otha in another episode. So yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that's going to shrink- be a good one. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, that was a shrink shelf. Um, so yeah, there's quite a bit of stuff to cover. We probably could have done lists 10 games long there, but figure we'll keep it to three for the, for the sake of consuming this episode in time and length. Yeah, cause there's tons of shrink up here in this attic, man. Yeah, I know you don't have to tell me that I'm always blinded by it when the lights are on. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to jump into our game review for this episode. We had the opportunity to sit down, I think two or three times and, uh, Ken had picked up a copy of destinies. It is not the Kickstarter edition. I was wrong. Uh, basically it's kind of a, a narrative driven game, uh, powered by an app. So we had an iPad or a tablet present for all of our playthroughs. Um, and we're going to kind of cover our review of, of the game. And I'll talk a little bit quick about our rating system. So uh, between the two of us, we're basically going to score the games on five categories. The first is theme. And that's kind of, you know, the story, the narrative, uh, the theme of the game and what we thought and how, how great that fits the title. Um, the balance. So as you play, how balanced is that play in terms of competition? 
uh, fun? Are we actually enjoying the game when we play it? Component quality speaks for itself. Is the game actually well made? And then the last is replayability, which is, you know, how many times can you play this before you absolutely just want to throw it in the trash or sell it? Um, all the categories are rated one to five with one being the lowest five being the highest. And then we also have, uh, as a shout out to the, to the podcast itself, will you lose friends playing this game? Yes or no. So I'm going to let you start, um, with your score on theme, but before I do, do you want to kind of talk us through sort of gameplay and, and how a turn looks? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so as, as Ryan mentioned, it's, uh, it's app driven. Uh, the rules are very thin. Uh, and basically you, there's, um, <clears throat> I think five scenarios in the base game. First one being sort of the tutorial, get your feet wet mechanics, how you move and how you play through it. And, um, <clears throat> basically you've got two actions, move and interact. And then depending on interact, that will or other things that the app will tell you what to do. Um, and basically you've got this, uh, your character, everyone, there's unique characters for every uh, campaign. I, I guess not campaign. What were those modules? I guess I'm trying to think how we want to yeah. how we would describe them. But again, I think they're it's like five stories, right, or chapters we'll call yeah. them, right? Yeah. But like they're not. They don't. It's not contingent on the first one, so it's like standalone chapters. So yeah, they're not. The game they're not a basically five tied times. together. Yeah. So um, it's a one to three player game, which is what I found. Yeah, that's reasons so why I picked it up. There aren't that like, many games that are um, one to three and, like that. Well, the whole thing is, again, and I, I can't remember where I read it or I watched a video or something on it, but the reason was that uh, player count three supposedly, again, I don't know what the research was done, is the, uh, I guess, best player count for games. Really? And, um, and, it, and again, it's based on time. Uh, and just moving things along and, you know, again, it's not too long. It's not too short. It's like almost like right in that nice sweet spot. So that's, I think one of the concepts behind the one to three. Okay. Um, so anyway, so you choose your scenario and it gives you the three characters for the scenario. So then we've been playing with a group of three. Um, again, I wanted to try it at the highest player count. Um, and didn't back it on Kickstarter because it was tied to Joan of Arc at the time. Uh, and Joan of Arc was a game by, I believe, Monolith slash Mythic. That was, I think, their first joint entry together. Again, don't quote me on it. But uh, And then there was controversy with that. So I pulled out of that campaign uh, on Kickstarter. And then when this thing popped up, again, I was never a real big app guy. Uh, still don't think I am. We'll talk about that Yeah. Uh, later. But yes, we will. they took out the Joan of Arc thing. They took the Joan of Arc piece out of it and then just changed it to Destinies because, um, again, Monolith or Mythic, I forget which one, um, they had trouble with Lucky Duck. So they just separated. So uh, then it be just became <clears throat> Destinies. And I watched uh, someone do a review on it, uh, and they were raving, raving about this. And I was like, whoa. Who was the review? Maybe I missed the boat on this. Uh, it was uh, Quackalope. Okay. And, um, so, uh, he was just raving about the game and I've never had or seen a review that was that passionate about a game. Like just, it was just, it's, that's what sold me the game. So like 
Lucky Duck owes this guy at least some credit for <laughs> one purchase, right? So, I, I, but I was like, I was like, all right, if this guy thinks it's this great, and I mean, this is a guy that plays Kingdom Death, and um, you know, obviously all the all the main in games. And yeah, I feel like, like you two would get along. Yeah, he was life. playing Oath at the time too. I like it. So, um, I mean, he's got a Yoshi tattoo, so it's like, I mean, it's close <laughs> to my heart. <laughs> so, like, but anyway, so that's besides the point. But like, I was like, all right, so this guy and I again put yourself in someone's shoes and you're like, oh, yeah. all right, maybe I'll like it as much as this guy did. Right. So, so again, I found it decent price. I think even cheaper than the Kickstarter, but again, it's a retail edition. Um, and then that's actually what started a gaming group. So I was happy. So it was like two birds, one stone. I got a yep. game and I got a gaming group. So it was cool. So it worked out. <laughs> and um, so again, so gives you three characters. You choose what character you want to be. And then each character comes with two, destinies that you have to try to fulfill you have to try to fulfill one of those destinies and if you fulfill uh one of your destinies first than anyone else you win the scenario a good synopsis i know i, I a lot of tangents a lot of sidebars but no i think that that's pretty just it, right it yeah i think the the only thing i would add yeah. is is like the there's a lot the of app? well no the the character checks like they have sort of a board where you have these little wooden circles and and you place them in certain spots and then when you roll dice, you have to like exceed that's, you know, a certain number of, I guess when you roll the dice, you total up your numbers. And if you, you know, um, get that number and there's like two of those markers to the left of it, you, you get two successes. Or if you don't get any, it's no successes. And that dictates like how, how your actions go throughout the game. And I actually like that a lot. Um, and we'll get into it a little bit, but yeah, I, I think that system's cool. I just think it's, not as impactful towards your destiny being achieved, which is kind of disappointing to me, but yeah, but I think that was a pretty good synopsis. Um, so I guess let's, let's start with theme. I, I gave the theme a three um, and I'll, I'll dive into a bit as to why before I turn it over. Uh, it felt like Diablo to me in many ways. It has like this Diablo ish quality. That, and I say Diablo, like the video game, um, I know you and myself and probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast have played Diablo in some fashion, one of the titles over the years. It has that sort of like desolate, you know, dark feel, which is really cool. I love that theme. Um, but yeah. the execution of it in the game during the stories or during the scenarios or during the narrative is very vanilla. It didn't feel like... Hey, there's a blacksmith. Go to the blacksmith and he'll tell you where the church is and go to the church. And the priest says, we have trouble with a, you know, rat king or, and it's like, I've heard this. I've heard all this before. Like there's nothing in it that, that felt original. It felt very samey. And so while it had that dark sort of Diablo ish theme to it, which was, you know, right up my alley, it was so vanilla and boring when we actually started going through it that I really just kind of like mentally checked out. I was like, yeah, this is just, they didn't put the effort in to write anything unique here. So yeah, I, I gave the theme a three and that that's the big reason why. And so I a hundred percent agree. Uh, my theme number. So also just so everyone knows we did our reviews independent. Yes. So <laughs> no tainting uh, each other's so, opinions. Yeah. So we didn't change each other's like, yeah, based on, on what your friend thought kind of thing. So, uh, I also gave it a three, um, but I, I think I gave it a three similar, but I think a little bit different, right? So 
um, we've had the privilege of playing Forgotten Waters, and yeah, you want to talk about bring that up. theme, and you want to talk <laughs> about an when you want to talk about an app, right? No matter no matter what, I mean, when, no matter what map you're on, no matter what tile you're on, that app was unique. To you, I mean, there were voices, there were characters, like you felt like the ship, right? Yep. So when it came to Destinies, like it starts out. Like, oh my god, this is going to be like somewhat like Forgotten Waters. This app is going to be awesome. We're There's voiceover at the beginning. And, yeah. There's voiceover in the beginning. It's nice. It's, it's, it's got a good tone to it. And then, um, aim and nothing else happens yeah. in the app. You're basically <laughs> you read. reading and you read. You, you might read it out loud. You don't know necessarily if you're supposed to or, or you're not. Like, and then you're just passing an iPad and someone, and you don't know what's going on. So you're like out of the story. Yeah. There's, um, and again, what we've done with these app games is we've set up the, you know, the Bluetooth speakers and connected it to the device. So like you're, you know, you get entrenched and the whole room shakes and you hear it. This app doesn't do any of that. So it's like, why do we even have a speaker? Like it's, a, it's, a, it's, there's no point. There's, there's some um, of that like ambient background noise. A little for bit. Some of it. Yeah. But uh, one thing that bothered me about it is like. You can only hear like, creaking and. Yeah, or, or like we could, you know, it you'd go to a haunted like, house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd go to like one of the places and you'd hear like you know screams and it would sound kind of atmospheric. And then you go to the next place and it sounds like wind, but it sounds like the basement during a tornado. Like the the volume and the Bluetooth speaker had to get turned down because it wasn't audio balanced correctly or whatever. But that, that's a great point. Like Forgotten Water spoiled us because of how freaking good that game is from an atmospheric standpoint and like. As soon as Destiny started, I heard that voiceover. I'm like, okay, this is going to be like Forgotten Waters. Like, this is going to be sweet. And then it just died yeah. off. And it was, there's was none of that left. And I'm like, what, where, why? Like, keep going with that. It would have made it so much yeah. more engaging. The fact that every location is the same location, regardless of who goes there to a degree. It, yeah. Like, so if you go to the farmhouse and you go there first, you do all the things, someone else goes there and either there's nothing to do. Or it's the same thing. Yeah, so I think I think that ties in there. That ties so, into the balance discussion. So do you want to move on to to balance? Because I, I think <laughs> well, this has a I big saw, a big and impact. I viewed, yes, this is actually one where you and I are farther apart than okay. anything on balance. Um, and maybe I took balance differently. So you want me to start with balance? Then, yeah, go ahead. You started with theme. So I gave balance a four in this. And the reason why I went so high is because um, all the characters are exact same. And yeah, there's no asymmetry in the you, game, really. There, yeah, there's nothing different. Like, I don't have different powers than, like, if I'm the, the hunter, guy who's the nun or the girl who's the nun, it's the same. It's, like, basically the same character, just with a different card and a different destiny. However, destinies are very similar. You kill these things or you collect these things. Wasn't a lot of differentials between. Now, granted, two scenarios, two characters each, different characters. But they, even between the first game and the second game, the character felt the same. Like it didn't. Yes, I had one of my stat trackers. I had a lower. You could get four on one and three on the other two. But so yeah, it switched those up, but like the same. Yeah. And so from a balance standpoint, it wasn't. I rated it high because everyone is almost the same. That's why I went higher on it than where you are, and I'll hand that over to you. 
I can I can see why you did that, and it makes some sense to me. Um, I think like our our as as our playthroughs went, our ability to alter our chances for more successes on our board stayed roughly equal across all of us. Like your opportunity to to do that sort of stayed the same. Um, the reason I I gave it a two and a half, and and it that's pretty low for a game, I think. And the reason I went that low is because the game we play games either to tell a story or to have fun or to, as this podcast name indicates, uh, win. And so, you know, when you're playing that game, you really want to be the first one to reveal your destiny. And to do that, you have two destinies to choose from. And I think after two playthroughs, we already kind of know what it takes to fulfill a destiny. And the reason why I gave this a 2.5 is because both games I played, uh, half of my destiny. So you get two per game and you can fulfill either one to win, but literally in each game, one of them was completely unachievable by like halfway through the game. And that feels terrible. Like at that point you're like, all right, well I have to do this one, even though like thematically I might not want to, or maybe I have one item or, you know, objective done for the other that I would like to continue, but the other three have been claimed. So like a good example, and I don't want to spoil it for others, but like, there's one where you need to gain silver items. Um, I couldn't get any. So that that whole destiny was just gone for me, and, and it really kind of killed my enjoyment of, of trying to... You know, the strength of that game, I think, is the sense of discovery as you play and, and revealing that narrative through the locations and the characters and the NPCs and stuff. And when one of my objectives to win the game is already basically unattainable by halfway through the game... It just doesn't feel balanced enough to me to, to stay engaged. And so that's why I gave it a 2.5. I think the mechanics of playing the game and keeping like the successes, you know, roughly equivalent for probability across the players is well balanced for the most part. It kind of does depend on what items you get, but a lot of the items are expendable for one time improvements. So, you know, that balance is there. But I just think that the key component of, of, of the win condition in destinies is fulfilling your destiny. And if, if, you know, the things you need to do that are basically gone halfway through the game and it's unachievable. It just doesn't feel terribly balanced. So that's, that's why I gave it a 2.5. I don't know if you have any retorts to that or not. So, and no, 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 I, 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 from that perspective, I understand now why you went so low at two and a half. Um, now again, I played twice, right? We played twice or whatever. Yeah. And both times the first game, I felt like I was close. So I never experienced that feeling of I I, I can't accomplish something. Yeah, I think right? it was so, pretty unique. So again, to me. maybe if I felt that way, I, I would have maybe gone lower. Even the second game, I think I did. I end up winning the second one. You did, and I think part I think, of it, like right? our third player Eric, had had basically said kind of the same thing I said in that I think one of them was like help some villagers. He's like I, I can't accomplish this. He's like it's impossible, and he kind of had the same. You know, that's kind of what convinced me is that second playthrough where he kind of echoed my sentiments from the first and second games that it was, it wasn't just me. So, and ultimately what I think, uh, and you know what? I'll wait, maybe give my final thought at the end here, right? If we're yeah, doing we, that, we, we but, could do fine. Um, cause I have, I have, I think I have a pretty interesting comment about this game uh, as, as a final sentiment. So from a fun perspective, Ryan, why don't you tell us your fun rating? So I'm looking at the score and I kind of 
feel like I should bump it up a little bit, but I gave it a three initially. I, I liked when I started playing it and when we started diving in, I was like, okay, this is going to be sweet. It's a Diablo dark, you know, gritty, murdery demon kind of theme thing. Very cool. Totally into that. Voiceover work started. Totally into that. Reminded me of like Forgotten Waters, like you mentioned. And I'm, you know, that's a pretty high bar to reach for a narrative driven game. I think that's one of the best I've ever played. Um, and I love the mechanics for, you know, kind of controlling your board and where these, these pieces go to, to dictate your successes. And then the use of items to sort of modify that or, or do other things. But I gave it a, a three of fun because it's so vanilla in theme that ties back to me. And when that happens, I start to have less fun. Like part of the fun of a narrative driven game is a unique, engaging story for me personally. And if that's not there, I'm not having as much fun. And then the fact that, um, you know, there, there's just visit a location, tap a thing, read something. Maybe you get to take a check. Maybe you get to do one more of those turns over past the iPad. Uh, I don't think in, practice worked out as well as my brain was hoping it would from a thematic standpoint and from a, you know, actual gameplay standpoint, that's no knock on the quality of the app itself. The app is excellent. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to component quality. It was just the whole flow of a turn and the, the interaction between players during the game, not really there. So I just gave it a three cause it's just, it, it's a, it's good initially and it kind of just doesn't stay fun for me so i just realized hearing you speak i don't need a final comment because i can hit you with my comment on the fun <laughs> category go, go for it because this is so again <coughs> once again you and i are aligned fun is a three uh as far as i'm concerned um and the reason why is it is a essentially I feel like I was almost duped in this game. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I say that is because I see this as a racing game disguised as a story, narrative, totally. epic adventure. Totally. Right? Because You're spot on with that. As, as you said, like, if, if you don't move around the board fast enough, you don't mitigate your stuff fast enough, and you're not efficient, and, and moving from thing to thing to thing and knowing what is going to waste your time versus not waste your time. Like you're not going to, you won't advance and you won't, you won't get closer to your destiny. Yep. So it's like, you need to try it. <clears throat> you don't think it's going to be a thing. You move on. Try it, think about it and move on. Right. Like, um, be, and, and again, that's why it, that's where the race factor comes. Totally. In, because you're racing against two other players who are trying to do the same thing. And I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I would have bought the game if it was a race game. Like it was described as a race game. Yeah. Right. A big race game person. Um, but I am a very, I love story. I love deep, you know, theme like that. Like, and again, that's what drew me in. And then it's like, Oh, this is a race game. Yeah. Know, maybe I'm being too hard. No, but no, that's I think how I felt. I think you're spot on. I think it's like a, a race game with you know, weak narrative tied in. And when you play it through once or twice, that kind of surfaces to, to us that play a lot of games, you know, for, and then, you know, Quackalope reviewed it and loved it. And maybe like the theme and stuff really hit home for him. Um, but I, I can't see any reviewer like playing this game and, and kind of looking at it and going, 
yeah, this is pretty deep or yeah, this is anything but a race game. Cause that's really all it is. Uh, and that kind of disappoints me because like forgotten waters wasn't like that at all. Like you, you needed to, you know, you were kind of racing against the clock a little bit, so to speak, you know, not getting caught by other things or, or being able to sort of finish your scenario before you ran out of food or your ship ship sank or everybody mutinied. But that was just dripping. That's a race. I don't, I don't, I don't take that as a race game. Like in a way, like yeah, it's more puzzly than racing. Racing in Forgotten War. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's a exactly it's a, it's a puzzle, and it talks you through the puzzle, and it gives you you can almost visualize what's going on. And again, with our crew, mm-hmm. you could just see people acting the way they act and the way the pirates were talking. Like it was just again, I just maybe maybe that's what it missed for me. But no, I agree with you. Um, and it's to the point to add to you. Like again, again, not feeling duped, that feeling of it, but like. I'm almost feeling like we're playing something wrong or we're missing something. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. Don't, I, I don't I've think dug, we are. I've, I've <laughs> the hood and I'm not seeing anything. That's the thing. I, I'm looking. I can't find it. Yeah, it's just, but, it feels as a production, a really nice production, which we'll get to next in component quality. But as a game, yeah. it's very bland and lacking. And I think that's, I, I can see why you feel that way. Because it's, first of all, getting hyped from a review is tough when you, put the money into something and you're all jacked up about it. But then sitting down with a, with a group that you're finally getting together to play the game and just, it rings so hollow. It, it can really disappoint you. So yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from. So, it, and again, that's why I'm thinking that we should table it for a little bit and find something else. But like, but again, we can come back to, it. I want to finish it. Like, don't get me wrong. Cause maybe like this, the second main campaign is different. I don't know. Cause yeah. It, it could be like got two in. The, you know, the, the interns wrote the first two scenarios and, and the real writings in, in the next few, <laughs> but we won't know till we try. So yeah, I'm fine with whatever you want to do, but, um, so okay. I guess we can move on to component Components. quality next. Yeah. And you, you know, you had so, brought up the app, so go for it. Yeah. So, my, uh, I think, uh, well, you know me when it comes to the components, uh, I am, such a sucker for the insert. Uh, and, uh, it is really and, and again, nice. the, the insert gets a five, like by default, right? Yep. <laughs> so, so, and this is my highest category, right? My highest rating. Uh, I couldn't go five on it. Uh, so I have it at a 4.5 component quality. Uh, and the reason why everything is beautiful. Minis are cool. Uh, the the cards are cool. The boards are cool. The pieces are cool. Set up, take down. It's perfect. It's it, it's solid. Everything goes back in its insert. Perfect. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong. You could you could stand the game up. I believe you could lay it down on a shelf. So it it doesn't matter. So that's that's great. But that I have to ding this app again. Maybe it's unfair to compare it, but like I was expecting at Forgotten Waters characters and having the app talk, not reading. You yeah. know, and not reading aloud or trying to do my own character voices. Like, I, I thought the app was going to guide us and talk to us. And, and on your turn, it was unique and special. Not it's the same thing. So I had to ding it something because like, it's not perfect, right? I mean, it's, there has a, there's a flaw there, or at yeah. least something I, I view as a flaw. So again, I had to put it at a 4.5. So I, I'm with you on the, I gave it a four and the only reason I gave it a four is because the voiceover work, which you mentioned, that's kind of missing from the app. I think it could have been a little better, but I do think the app as a, as a part of the game 
is very good, very well done, seamless for the most part, gives you very clear directions on your turns. Like it's an important part that drives the game. And so I think they did a, a bang, bang up job on that. I, I can't complain too much other than, you know, the fact that they didn't provide more of what you mentioned in terms of like voiceover work and atmosphere. Um, inserts awesome. I think the mini's really nice. I did ding it because it has some of the smallest effing minis I've ever seen in my life. They're like, I think it was like Warhammer Games Workshop game called Warmaster where the models were like the size of half of your pinky nail. Um, and as a painter, like that would just infuriate me if I opened the box. I'm like, oh my God, dude, I got to paint these, you know, like micro minis. Uh, so that kind of bothered me that they did that. Like it would have been cooler to have the scale a bit larger. I also didn't like, and maybe this is just because it's the non-Kickstarter version. I don't know what the upgrades were, but the actual tiles that you put down on the table and reveal are just like paper and they don't stay lined up. Like this is kind of nitpicky, but this in today's yeah, age, they're like, a little flimsy. There's, there's games out there now that are just like killing it with production quality. And like, if you're going to release a game at this point and charge, you know, 50, 60, 70 bucks, you need to be on par with those. And this just wasn't in some respects overall though. Uh, you know, a four is a pretty good score because they did a pretty good job with it. I don't think like a lot of the larger models are really nice. Again, the inserts awesome box storage is awesome. The artwork's great apps. Great. So there's a lot of positives there. I just think that the few things that detracted from, at least in my opinion, gave, gave it a four. So, um, our last is replayability. Yeah. So I think I gave it a three and a half. I think, um, you know, this is one of those narrative driven games where the group can help make the, the playthrough better or worse. You know, if you have people that get really engaged, that helps. Um, the 3.5 is because I think there's only like six or seven scenarios. Now I do know, I remember reading about lucky duck, uh, trying to get some more out there into the wild. I don't know if it's going to be like a purchase purchasable expansion or if it's going to be downloadable stuff through the app. Um, but they're, you know, as of now, like you can probably rip through those six scenarios pretty fast. And then you're just left with a game that you can't replay unless you're going with a different group. Um, there is sort of, you know, some innate replayability with the same group. If you decide to do the same scenarios twice, because you kind of can alter your path through the game, but like you already sort of know, unless you switch, you know, the characters you're playing, what your objectives are. So it's kind of not worth doing. So yeah, three, three and a half for me. And I think it could be better if they, um, you know, had released more scenarios with the game instead of the initial, you know, six or seven that, that came with it. So this was the one category that you were higher than me on with your 3.5. Uh, I had to go, I had to give this a three. Uh, okay. and again, the reason, uh, why I went with the three again, um, is <clears throat> again, knowing what I know, feel like it's an advantage going back a second time, regardless of the character you give me. You know, right? you yeah. know what I mean? I know, like, spoiler alert, like when you go to the tree, if you don't have this, you could use this. So as long as you're going to that tree with one of the things, you're good to go. Now, again, you have to have a memory. Now, if you don't remember, yeah. <laughs> your playability is this, if this is high. I am one of those people I feel has a higher memory than most. So, like, those things, it'll, it'll, either I won't, I'll know it off the bat, or I'll hear it, or I'll read it and be like, oh, yeah, I remember you have to do the potion, or you have to get the skin, or whatever. Like, it'll just click. Yep. Um. So, and knowing that it's a race game, you would play differently and you knowing where things are, you would just accordingly. So that's why I had to ding 
replayability. Um, now, again, to your point, if they put up more content and they change it or they add to it, maybe that goes up. But at current, again, playing twice and already needing or wanting to put it down really shows the replayability so far in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, final comments. Do you have anything you want to want to say before you give the final score? So um, I guess the... Uh, one thing I thought was sort of, again, this was the coolest aspect I saw in the game. Uh, and again, maybe it's different for everybody, but like, so I'll, I'll go through again, a little bit of a spoiler where I, I sort of hinted to it earlier. So someone had gone to a scenario and you would scan an item and it didn't work. So they moved on and went to something else. Again, thinking that the game was going to be different if I went there. I went yeah. there, and it was the same thing. However, <clears throat> I scanned a different item. And I don't think the item it was meant to be, that wasn't the item you want, you you should have, like, the optimal item to take. Yep. They gave me a chance to use that item differently than what the original intent was. So I love that, that, that just that little nuance was there, which, again, made me think that maybe there's more to this game but the fact that it's a race, you can't really tinker around too much at every location, exactly. scanning all your things. Like So, again, I, I thought it was cool, but yet it also is a detriment to the game. Because, again, someone that wants to explore and try and, and do things. I mean, you talked about Diablo. We never moved on until everything on that map was killed. Yeah. You never knew what was out there. And yeah. like, the every little goblin was dead. Every little skull pile was kicked. Like That's just how we played Diablo. Yep. You know? So... You can't play this game that way, which is, again, maybe that adds to the replayability if you really want to or you really care, but that doesn't drive for me. But that was my just little final thing. Again, I don't regret owning it by any stretch, so don't feel like I'm all gloom and doom on it. Um, again, I just was, again, that race game disguises story was uh, really where I'm at. Yeah, I'm you with you My there. final score, or you want to do your opinions? Uh, go ahead, we final, final score. So, all in all, where all averages out, uh, we're at a 3.5 from me. Okay. I'm at a 3.2. And, and my final comments are just we, everything we talked about, really theme, just not, not being strong enough with theme and kind of vanilla in some respects. And, and yeah, we only play two games. Maybe that'll change. So I'm open to, you know, trying some more scenarios and seeing what we get. But totally agree about the race condition stuff and, and just, wasn't blown away by it. I don't think it's a bad game, but it's it's something I wouldn't uh I probably wouldn't play again after we're done. So um that's our review of Destinies. If anybody wants to take a look at it, you can check it out on Board Game Geek, published by Lucky Duck. Uh, I think it retails for what around sixty bucks. So if you are still actually, interested think, after this verbal bashing. I actually think it's respect. half that. I think it was about I think it was about thirty dollars. Oh, I think okay. that's why what made me buy it too. It was a relatively inexpensive purchase. Yeah, I mean, from our recommendations on you know this this podcast, if we had thirty bucks to spend, I'd go drop it on Forgotten Waters in a heartbeat over this. But uh, you know, maybe the theme of pirates isn't your thing, and you want something more dark and fantasy like. Uh, Destinies is probably going to be up your alley. So, all right, uh, we're going to move on. But just the last thing about the game is you won't lose friends playing it. Oh yes, you get a little frustrated, but you won't lose friends. Yeah, the, I said the balance, like the the balance issue with losing out on a whole destiny like halfway through the game, that tweaked me 
but I'm not going to flip the table. I'm just going to put the box lid back on. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, final segment for this episode. We're just going to talk for the sake of time. Just pick one uh, up some upcoming Kickstarter or pre-order that you've got in the pipeline that you're super pumped for. Uh, and I will kick us off. I just tonight finally found a copy of Paleo through Reddit that I am super pumped to get. So trying to coordinate the, uh, the payment and shipping, uh, tomorrow, hopefully. But yeah, I think I scored it for 50 bucks and I think it's first edition. I am. Yeah, I know you own this. We haven't had a chance to play yet, but co-op games in my house are a big deal because um, competitive games don't tend to go over well with my family because I'm hyper-competitive. Uh, and Paleo is a pretty sweet co-op, so I am really pumped to get that in, uh, hopefully within the next week or so, and get that on the table and see uh, see what everybody thinks. How about you? Well, so, uh, again, oh, man, picking one is tough, but yes, we're, <laughs> we went a little longer than I thought, but that's cool. So... Again, time back to my Rise of Moloch um, is, again, a current Kickstarter. I am backing. Uh, I am actually in for a little, little lower than, than Ryan, where we were talking about. But, like, so this is uh, uh, by Simon, Masters of the Universe class for, Clash for Eternia. I was a He-Man kid growing up. I'm a He-Man adult. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I love I love that universe. I love that world. I love those characters. Um, it's near and dear. Um, you know, the new stuff they pump out for He-Man, I, I enjoy it regardless of people think of it. Uh, I, again, it's just more of a good thing in my opinion. And, uh, the reason why, uh, you know, why it relates to Rise of Moloch is it does pick up some of the mechanics that, uh, Rise of Moloch put in place. And from what I'm hearing, it's not necessarily a re-theming by any stretch, but it actually is almost like Rise of Moloch 2.0 or like the second version or the second edition of it. Because again, there's a, there's a decent foundation there. Uh, and then they added more to it and made it even cooler. So that's, that, cool. that's what I'm hearing from the people who've played it. So, um, Definitely having both games is not a problem, which is what I was scared about. Because again, this is not a cheap game. I'm at currently 270 um, for this one. So, yeah, well, it's another 270 bucks. <laughs> so that's again, that's where it's at currently. I think there's still, I don't know, maybe 15 days. So it's scary because I know what a CMON campaign can do. Oh yeah. Oh, so I've already done the inventory of what they haven't put out yet. Oh, actually, hold on. I fib. There's seven days left. There's seven days left. Didn't fib about what I'm in for. I'm still in for 270. That is, uh, the base deluxe pledge and the, the one expansion that adds content. Um, that's not playmat. That's not extra 3D terrain and stuff. Like, I, I, that doesn't get me. Let us not forget the, they're not going to get me there. The printed, beautiful Castle Grayskull that's included. Right. That was, yeah, that's part of the 220, right? Yeah, oh definitely. That. I have to get the giant castle. I mean, the drawbridge works, doggy. Like, come on. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so yes, but again, seven days with a CMON campaign that 270 can, again, what did I say? What was my prediction? Five, almost five. Yep. Yep. Is that what I said? I know what they haven't put out yet as far as like what's in the He-Man universe, right? They're missing some key stuff. So, like, I don't know. Again, this is a CMON campaign. You never know what you're in for. It can surprise you. 
uh, and, and and you gotta just gotta go along for the ride and, and hope it doesn't hurt your pocketbook too much. So hey, I'm hey okay Ken, so far. Uh, how we'll was see. your how was your day at work today? <laughs> uh, it was great. I, I just did inventory on the He Man stuff that's not in the Simon campaigns, just so I know what's coming. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you want to know the list? <laughs> I don't think we have time for that. I'm just kidding. I am kind of curious. Well, that's another half hour. I did look at it. Remember, and I was like, why is that guy with the bees like the bee dude? And he has like pinchers well, for Bob hands. Need an axe. Why does he have an axe? Like, why is he not he just pinching axe. people or, or stinging them? He's a bee, goddammit. Well, he act. Yeah. I mean, but Buzz Off, Buzz Off actually, he's like a character from a race. Like, it's a race of bee people, but they all have weapons. They use guns and stuff too. It's awesome. Uh, how do you, how do you pull a trigger like that? Must be special bee I don't guns. Know, I guess it's just how their guns are made. Do yeah, they buzz guns. when they fire? All right, that no, whole, that whole that fiction. Make a buzz noise. I, we could do a whole podcast on on He Man fiction. Maybe we'll do a spinoff yeah. show at some point in time. It'll just be you, and I'll fall asleep in a chair. <laughs> nice. I'll read you stories from the comics. Put me, put me to sleep about the, the bee people who shoot guns. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think that's going to wrap up our first episode. Uh, I think in future episodes, we're going to try to get uh, some listener feedback in place. But before we do that, we're going to try to get an email address set up and all that other jazz. Uh, so if you guys enjoyed this, uh, subscribe to us on whatever podcast medium you found us on. And we'll try to get uh, some more episodes out on a pretty regular basis. I think we'll see if we can shoot for about an episode a week. Um, any closing remarks you have for everybody? No, I just, uh, for, a, I guess, a first podcast, I think we did an hour and we went maybe almost two. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but clearly we can talk about games. Depends how much so, people like or hate enjoyed. listening to our voices. <laughs> you say yours is bad. I think I could go to sleep to my own. So I've got that deep no, radio absolutely. voice, but I can put people Surprise to sleep too. Surprise, I'm still awake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is pretty late here. So, all right, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll be back hopefully next week with more. Uh, I'm Ryan, that's Ken, and this is Play Games and Lose Friends. See you, everybody. Bye-bye.